1: Hello future doctors, we are back with even more tips for pre-med success for you. This episode is especially for those of you who are applying to medical school this cycle and hopefully preparing to or even starting to launch into interview season. We are going to do some mini medical interview questions. If you're not too familiar with what the mini medical interview is, here is a quick little primer you can think of the MMIs as interview speed dating. That's how I like to describe it. In a traditional interview, what you do is you sit down, usually with one or two people, and you basically have a long conversation. A traditional interview is more of a getting-to-know-you conversation, but they can also sprinkle in some questions like, what do you think is your biggest weakness? Or what do you think of the Affordable Care Act? In the MMI, however, There is no long conversation. There's no casual getting to know you conversation. There are multiple interview stations, each with a different interviewer and each with a different question or ethical scenario. You have one minute to read the question outside of the room and maybe even jot down some notes if you want to. And then usually between five and eight minutes to enter the room and answer the question and maybe some follow up questions as well in front of the interviewer. You really don't have time to chit chat. It's not that getting to know you type conversation. You just have to jump into trying to answer the question to the best of your ability. And then when your time is up, someone will ring a bell or a buzzer will go off, or someone will just announce that your time is up and you have a little like a few seconds to finish up the conversation and move on to the next interview station. So as you can see, it's kind of like speed dating. So you can imagine the MMI is quite focused and because it's so focused and it's so quick, it can be quite stressful. And because it's stressful and focused, practice, practice, practice is so important. Please do not go into an MMI not having done some practice, ideally with like a physician mentor. But even if you don't have a physician mentor to work with, Practicing with a friend or relative can be helpful just so that you get practice answering these types of questions and you're able to practice just easing your nerves and thinking on your feet. But even with practice, it can be hard to know exactly what schools are looking for in an MMI response. So today we have some practice questions to model for you. Dr. Zulma is going to pretend to be the interviewer and I am going to pretend to be the nervous or maybe confident medical school applicant. Now, I'm not an actor, so please bear (laughs) with me. (laughs) These are just pretend scenarios to model for you some of the important points when it comes to an MMI interview. For each question, we're going to give it two tries, each lasting four minutes for the purposes just of demonstration. After each try, we'll discuss what I did well and what needs improvement. Hopefully, by listening to these model responses, you'll get a better idea of how to approach the actual MMI questions when your interviews roll around. All right. So are you ready, Dr. Z? Let's do this. I'm going to be that
0: attending as you walk in. To ask you the I'm question. going to be that
1: nervous <laughs> medical student. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So here's your first question. You are taking a class in economics and are assigned a group project. Over the course of the semester, one of the group members repeatedly fails to complete their part of the project. Many of the other group members are frustrated and worried that their final project will not be completed on time or may receive a bad grade because of that group member who is not pulling their weight. What would you do in this situation?
1: All right, so I'm going to have like the rest of a minute to just think about it, think about my response, jot down some notes if I want to, some major points that I want to make. And then at the end of one minute, I'm going to go into the room, whether it's a virtual room or an in-person room, and I'm going to introduce myself to the interviewer. Hi, I'm Marina Capella. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, So, as I understand from this scenario, it sounds like I'm in a, I'm working in a group, and one of the members of the group is not really doing their job, Um, and that can be really frustrating. I've actually worked with some. People in the past that in like groups, I don't really like working in groups because sometimes people just don't do their part of the assignment and it can bring all of the other people's grades down. But in this case, I think what I would do is maybe uh, talk to the other members of the group. And if they were also frustrated and they felt like this was a legitimate concern because this person wasn't doing their part. Um, maybe we would give the person a chance to catch up with their work, like tell them um, that we think it's a problem. and then if they still, like maybe after a week or two weren't doing their part, maybe I would uh, we would go as a group to the professor and just tell the professor kind of what's happening, explain the situation, and then see if like the professor could maybe make accommodations for our group or, Maybe they could like talk to the person um, and have a conversation with them. Um, yeah, so I think I think maybe like if we had to, we might go to the professor to ask what we should do.
0: So you mentioned that you've you've experienced this before. What did you do when you personally experienced the situation?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just really frustrating because there was just one person that wasn't doing their part. Um, I got really frustrated and I didn't really know what to do in that situation. Um, I think what I ended up doing was just doing more of the work myself, but it wasn't the greatest experience. And now I try to avoid classes where I have to do a lot of group projects because I know that that can happen and I just don't want to be in that situation again.
0: Now, say you went to the professor and told and talked to the professor about the certain student, but the professor says, you guys need to figure this out so that way you guys can work as a team. What would you do then?
1: Um, I, guess, I guess we could talk more to the, the person who's not really doing their assignment and um, try to ask like why they're not doing it. Um, maybe there's like a situation that they're facing or I don't know, there could be something that's going on in their lives, I guess. Um, and just try our best to maybe like help them out. Um, but it's really hard because with group assignments, you really need everybody to do their part in order for the project to be successful. Um, And I guess in the worst case scenario, like like it happened in my experience, just everybody else has to do the work for that person so that our grade doesn't suffer.
0: Okay, time. All
1: right. That was four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's four minutes. Remember, in reality, you're going to have more like five to eight minutes. So you'll have to keep going. And you notice Dr. Zulman, she asked follow up questions to fill in that time. So in reality there would have been a couple more follow up questions. All right Dr. Z, how do you think I did on that one?
0: Well, it it seemed like you were very frustrated but there wasn't a lot of problem solving. I think that you know as a as the interviewer, we would look for students who want to solve problems and have a way um, a lot of repetitive of the same word over and over and over again. There's hesitation to want to Help initially, although at the end you started to come around a little bit. Like, oh wait, maybe there might be something going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do you think you did?
1: Yeah, so well, I was the actor in the situation, but I have worked. I have worked at a medical school before, and I volunteered for two years doing mini medical interviews. So some of my acting comes from things that I actually saw students do. The nervousness, of course, the stalling, the ums, the hesitation that's a part of being nervous. And that in and of itself is not too big of a problem because we realize you're having to think on your feet and there might be some pauses, there might be some ums, there might be some repetition. That by itself is not the worst thing in the world. But the things that I could have done better was I, you know, I mentioned that I had had an experience with this. I could have done more to tell the story, like give details about what actually happened. Uh, what class was I taking? How many members were there in the group? Just add some details and then what what happened in the end? What was our grade? Just details in order to tell a story because stories are powerful. Stories are memorable. Stories are interesting. And so if you can pull a story into your answer, it's a great way to help answer the question.
0: I feel also like you know, you'll have times where the interviewer is trying to guide you there. Yeah, <laughs> So I was exactly. trying to guide, if you guys would uh, heard my question to Dr. Marina, it's like she told me briefly that, oh, you know, when I was in college, I experienced something like this. But then that was it. So then I went back and I asked her a question kind of to get further details. But again, like Dr. Marina said, didn't really elaborate on that personal experience.
1: Exactly. And then I think generally my, <laughs> my response it lacked some sympathy, it lacked some communication skills, it lacked group problem solving abilities. (laughs) So I would hope that someone who is applying to medical school is at a maturity level where they know how to try to solve their own problems first, before they go (laughs) to the teacher or the professor or the attending or whoever it is. And so my story and my experience and my answer, it didn't really reflect that I knew how to solve or try to solve my own problems first. It was jumping too quickly to, oh, I, would, I want the professor to help fix this situation, right? And I could have done a lot more to try to express sympathy, to take the perspective of my fellow student, like, oh, let, maybe I would have a conversation with them, try to figure out what's going on. Maybe their parent just died. Maybe their dog just died. Maybe they're experiencing a really major health issue. Maybe they're depressed, who knows? And so really showing that you're capable of compassion and sympathy and that you're not afraid to communicate in order to figure that out. And sometimes conversations are not easy. Confronting someone about something like that is not easy, but it shows maturity to say that that's what you would try to do or share an experience where that's what you learned to do. Yeah, and then just in general, I think, um, my response showed more of a like trying to give the right answer instead of flexibility and problem solving.
0: Yeah. And I would also add, you don't ever want to mention like, I don't want to do anything in a group. And this is why I prefer to work on my own. That's probably not a good yeah, idea. Exactly. Teamwork, I will <laughs> tell all of you if you guys are applying to medical school, You need teamwork. And for the rest of your life, even as a practicing physician, regardless of what field you go into, we really, really
1: rely on teamwork. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that is one thing that I intentionally uh, pretended to do badly.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. You did a good
1: job. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. We're going to try this question again. And this time I'm going to try to give a better response. All right. Again, forgive my acting skills. Okay. So same question, we won't repeat it again, taking a class, assigned a group project, one person is not doing their part, we're frustrated, what do we do? Okay. Hi, my name is Marina, really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Marina. Um, So this is a really tricky situation because it actually reminds me of something that happened to me when I was taking one of my college classes. Uh, We had a group assignment, just like in this scenario, and there was one person who they wouldn't come to meetings and um, they kept on turning in their parts of the assignment late. And every time they turned in their assignment, it was either incomplete or it seemed like it had been a really rushed job. And so I sat down with the other members of the group and I asked them if they were also frustrated by the situation. And we talked about what we could potentially do. And we decided that uh, one of us was going to be assigned to talk to this student and try to just gain their trust and try to understand if something maybe was going on in their lives that might be affecting their performance or might be affecting the time that they had to do their work. So I was actually assigned to talk to this student. It was a student that I didn't really know that well, so it was a bit scary (laughs) to do that. But, um, you know, I just mustered up the courage and I talked to um, my fellow student, and I actually found out that they were going through a really hard time, that um, they had some mental health issues, and that they were seeking help, but that they were still trying to figure out like what the best treatment was. And so they were really tired, they were sleeping a lot, um, they had really hard time getting the motivation to go to class and to do their assignments. and, And they were just feeling really bad a lot of the time. And so Um, you know, I, I like expressed my sympathy for them and it really helped me to kind of have more sympathy about the situation that they were going through. And I asked their permission. I took that, some of that information back to the group and we kind of, um, met again and were able to figure out maybe how to reassign some of the work so that that person was still doing something, but they were doing less and that we were able to kind of pick up some of the other work. And everyone in the group was pretty understanding. Um, they, most of us have had, had like family or friends who had struggled with like depression or anxiety or other things. And so we were able to understand it. We, we all really just wanted to do our best and get a good grade in the class. And if that meant picking up a little extra work, then that was worth it, um, especially to help out our classmate in the end. But I can understand the frustration of the situation because if it had been like a really, really big project, then maybe it would have been hard to pick up all of the extra work that was involved in the project. Um, and so maybe at some point, um, if it had gotten worse, or the situation had not been solvable among just ourselves, we might have been able to talk to the professor as well. Uh, you, you said
0: if, if this uh, student got worse, you would um, go out and reach the professor, What do you think would be probably a good way to respond to this by the
1: professor? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you mean like putting myself in the perspective? If you were the professor, yes. Okay. Um, You know, I think um, maybe asking like the students if they've done everything that they can think of doing because... Um, I think as students, we have some responsibility to truly really try to figure it out amongst ourselves before we <laughs> just jump to getting help. Um, and, and if it was the case that the students had done everything that they could think of and they had tried to communicate with the student and they had given the student chances to make up the work, then I would probably step okay, in. Okay, time. Uh-huh. Time. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. So how, how did I do, Dr. Zuma, on that one?
0: So much better, as you can see, compared to Dr. Marina's first response. It flowed. So it's almost like she set a timeline and a flow to tell a story from the beginning to the end. It's almost like she went full circle to explain how you would resolve this issue, what you would do. Lots of sympathy as uh, shown regarding the student who was struggling as well. So it was almost as if the if Dr. Marino was a student, as if this student was really thinking about all the other variables that can cause this issue.
1: Yeah. Um, so I told a story. Right? Stories are interesting. They're going to capture the attention of your interviewer. And I took my time. I mean, I could have probably told it shorter, but again, I'm not the best actor here. But um, I was trying to tell a story, and I was trying to tell it from beginning to end. And I was trying to tell it in a way that included enough details to make it interesting, but not too, too many details. I mean, I could have told a 10 minute long story as well, but it had kind of the major points and it showed how I had learned how to deal with this type of situation from personal experience. Now, in my case, I chose a story that was very similar to the scenario only because I think a lot of students have had a similar experience. It's such a common thing, right? So most of us can probably relate to this situation. But let's say that I had never had to do a group project. Maybe I've never had a negative experience with a group project in class. Well, I could have thought about what about my volunteer experiences, my club meetings? What about my work experience? Think about all of those other scenarios that you've been in, or even Most most of us are part of a family with multiple siblings. I could have told a story about how Saturdays were, you know, time to mow the lawn and clean the house growing up. And sometimes I got really mad at my brother because they weren't helping. They were just sitting on the couch playing a video game and I was the one doing the work. So you can reflect on any sort of life experience in order to make a parallel or make a connection to the question being asked. Just make sure that you're actually trying to bring in the parallels and reflect on the scenario and the question that is asked.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything. Um, And I think you brought up a good point is, you know, you have one minute to read and then like jot things down. It's really pulling on a story as you're reading, try to just like Dr. Marina said, kind of just think back to, okay, what was an experience that was similar to this? Not exactly the same, but similar. So then that way you can pull that in. And at least that's a good start while your jitters are settling down.
1: Uh (laughs) You can
0: tell the story because you've lived the story. But while you settle down and then usually after your anxiety settles down, then you're able to flow a little bit better.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was uh, (laughs) those were two examples of a response to the question. One of them worse, one of them better. You know, hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of things that you can do in your MMI responses. Okay, we're going to do another practice question. Um, with the same kind of process.
0: All right, guys, ready? So this is question number two. Mr. Rojas comes to you to discuss treatment options for his newly diagnosed diabetes. He states that he has heard that the medication you want to prescribe is dangerous and has a lot of side effects. He has also heard that there is an herbal supplement called juniper berry that can lower his blood sugar. He asks if he can take the juniper berry every day instead of the medication. As a physician, how do you respond?
1: And again, I have one minute to think about this. This is a patient who doesn't want to take the medication. He wants to take this natural supplement instead. I'm the physician. I'm supposed to pretend I'm the physician. And I'm being asked, how do I respond? Okay, take time. Think about it. Jot down some main points. And then one minute is up. I'm going to go into the room. Hi, I'm Marina. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Marina. All right. So in this situation, uh, this is a hard one because it sounds like there's a patient who I'm trying to prescribe a medication to because he has diabetes and his blood sugars are high, but he doesn't want to take the medication I'm prescribing and he wants to take this juniper berry instead. You know, I think in this situation, I would probably just really try to educate the patient About why this medication is important and like what can happen if his diabetes is not controlled over the long term. Um, For example, people can like, you know, lose feet or need surgery or lose their vision if their diabetes is not treated. So I would really just take the time to try to explain to him why the medication is important and explain that the medication is really safe and he shouldn't be worried about side effects. Um, and really just try to convince him to take the medication for his own health.
0: But what if he's so concerned about these side effects? Because as we know, I would say mostly all medications have side effects, and that's really what he's holding on to. So how are you going to address the side effects, the, the concern that he has about the side effects specifically?
1: Um, I mean, I guess uh, I would just try to, like, reassure him that the side effects are really rare and that a lot of people uh, take this medication and do really well with it, and that it's just really important um, to treat his diabetes and not let his blood sugar go too high for too long. Um, Yeah, so I think I would just kind of try to reassure him and convince him that the side effects are pretty minimal. Okay.
0: And what are your thoughts about a patient that may just want to do herbal supplements for a disease?
1: Um I guess I guess like he can decide that, but it's not something that I would really feel comfortable supporting. And I would just try to make sure that he understands that if he doesn't take the medication, his diabetes can get worse. Um, and maybe, like I would hope that after some time, he would um, be able to change his mind and come back. Uh, and maybe try the medication later. Okay.
0: Say he follows up with you because he wanted to do the herbal supplement and his diabetes is getting worse. How would you handle that conversation
1: with Mr. Rojas? At that point, I think like it would, it would maybe be easier because his um, diabetes is not getting better. And so I could help him to understand that like, the juniper berry really didn't work. Um, and so now it really is time for him to consider medications that have been shown to work with medical studies. So I think it might be easier at that point to convince him to take the medication.
0: Okay. All right, time.
1: Okay, Dr. Zulma, what do you have to say about my performance on that one?
0: I think um, your performance there was you had in your mind, just one answer for a solution. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any exploring of other possibilities of having a solution to this issue. But, you know, you being that student is, (laughs) thinks this is the only approach, like this is Uh it, that's it. It's so it's, it's rigid. It's just, this is the only way Mr. Rojas and that's it. And I, and I think, um, And medicine, it's definitely not that way. Uh Um, There was also a lack of finding out why Mr. Rojas doesn't want to take this medication. Yeah, he said because it's dangerous. But where is that coming from? Usually when patients come in, their thoughts or fears come from a past experience or a family member's past experience as well. So really getting to know the patient almost inside out instead of outside in.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, And that was what I was trying to demonstrate was that rigid thinking. And I've seen that one of the biggest mistakes I see people make on MMI interviews or in the past I've seen is thinking that there is one right answer to this question. Please, please believe us when we tell you most of these questions are not designed to have a right answer. They are designed to get you thinking. They're designed to try to understand your thought process to see if you can think about things compassionately with um, flexible thinking, with open-mindedness, with maturity, all of those things. <laughs> if you're good at communicating, if you're good at problem solving, all of those things. So in this response, I really kind of had in my mind like one answer. like, And I think that's really easy for pre-meds to do because you know, you look up to the doctors that you've shadowed, and you know that we have treatments and medications for things. And so sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, oh, like my job as the doctor is to convince them to do this thing that's best for them, because medical science has proven that this is the best thing, right? But humans are so much more complicated than just that simple equation. So we have to really know how to work with people from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of perspectives all sorts of levels of cooperation. And in day-to-day medicine, as you will learn as you go on in the medical profession, things aren't always so easy and you have to have hard conversations with patients and they don't always want to do what you recommend, but you have to learn how to approach that situation compassionately with good communication and with open-mindedness and being willing to compromise as well.
0: Yeah. I think too, like as, as you're talking and just listening, I think another big thing why it's so hard for students to not go into there's only one right answer. Our whole undergrad um, experience has been you have to find the one right answer, right? You're taking an exam. Mm-hmm. There's no, oh, well, it could be this, right? It's that one right <laughs> answer. So with these interviews, it's really leaving that behind. It's not like this is it. This is the only answer to pass. There's actually multiple answers to pass, but just showing those traits that Dr. Marina said. Definitely.
1: All right. We're going to try this again with a better response, hopefully, if I can pull it together. So again, question number two, Mr. Rojas comes in, diabetes. I want to prescribe a medication as a physician. He wants to try a supplement. He asks if he can take the supplement instead of the medication as the physician. How do I respond? Again, take time to think about it, jot down your ideas, and then go into the room. Hi, I'm Marina. Really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Marina. So in this scenario, it sounds like I'm working with a patient who's really resistant to taking a medication, and instead they're asking me if they can try an herbal supplement for their diabetes. Um, I think this scenario uh, reminds me of an uncle that I have who really hates to take medications. (laughs) And um, I remember like many times when I would go over to my uncle's house and he would complain that his doctor was trying to prescribe something or his doctor was trying to tell him to do a certain treatment or a certain procedure uh, for his medical uh, problems. And I just remember my aunt and uncle talking about these things and how much he complained (laughs) and didn't want to do those things. Um, my uncle was raised like in a really small farming community where he didn't have access to medical care. And so they always relied on things like herbal supplements in order to treat their illnesses. And so um, my uncle found medications and prescriptions and doctors kind of intimidating, kind of scary. And because that's how he had grown up with more natural remedies, he always wanted to do natural remedies instead. And so it really reminds me of my uncle. And I can sympathize with this kind of patient because it can be scary to take a new medication when you don't fully understand the side effects, when you don't fully understand how it will affect your body. And I know that every medication has side effects. Like I've taken just even over-the-counter medications. And if you read the label, there's always like these warnings that it could cause certain things. Um, But most of the time, I know that those side effects are pretty rare. But even so, it's important for people to be aware of the possibilities. So in this scenario, I think what I would do is really try to talk to Mr. Rojas and figure out where he's coming from, like figure out, did he have a bad experience with a medication or did a family member or a friend have a bad experience with a medication? Has he heard things about this particular medication? Like what is afraid? What is he afraid will happen? If he starts this medication, so I'd first try to really have a conversation with him to understand like what his real concerns are, because I don't think people are always willing to tell you what they're really afraid of unless you ask.
0: Okay, with your uncle, I love the the example that you gave with your uncle. Did your uncle end up taking the medication? Um, Did your did you play a part in that with helping your uncle or his doctor? How how was that resolved?
1: Um, I think a lot of times my uncle just kind of dug his heels (laughs) into the ground and like wouldn't take it, but then he would start to feel worse over time. And so eventually when he started feeling bad enough, he would finally, um, take the doctor's recommendation. (laughs) But I think, you know, um, he just resisted a lot in general and he would only turn to prescriptions and procedures if he really, really needed them. Do you
0: feel herbal supplements can help someone who has a disease?
1: Um, I think uh, there's some research to show that some supplements can be helpful. Um, Some of them might not be as helpful as prescription medications, but some of them can do, you know, can have some benefit. Um, But it's really variable. And I don't think we have enough research on a lot of these natural remedies to really understand if they truly are helpful or not compared to prescriptions. Okay, time. Okay. I guess, you know, thinking about that one, I didn't really get to answer the question fully, fully, like, you know, going down the line, what would happen, but it was a start. And I did start by saying my response would be to try to understand him, right? So how did you think I did on that one?
0: So again, this one also flowed much better. You told a story. You immediately started with, I know someone who was like this, and then you were able to elaborate with good detail exactly what your uncle was going through, what his fears were, what his thoughts were. So again, you were really trying to sympathize with uh, Mr. Rojas through your uncle because you knew and understood his fears. Also, it sounded like you were more thorough also in discussing the medications and the treatments as well. But I followed it up with the question with herbal supplement just to see if you were still rigid in your thinking, but you weren't, you said, Oh, well, there is some research that some may some may not. So also as being a doctor, being able to have that open dialogue with the patient who might want to do non traditional medicine. So Mm -hmm. it's very respectful to the patient's thoughts of how they want to be treated. So it was good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I tried to demonstrate really that in almost a hundred percent of patient encounters, it is so, so important when you come up against resistance to anything, try to understand their perspective, like truly ask questions, like where is your fear coming from? Where is your resistance coming from? Like, did you have a bad experience? You can never go wrong with that kind of answer on these these scenarios where you have like patient resistance is try to understand first, because if you don't indicate that you're going to do that first, you can come off as just kind of paternalistic, arrogant. It's like, I know better than you without truly understanding. And that's such an important characteristic for physicians to have is to communicate well and try to understand the patient's perspective.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, again, just bringing up the point from the previous question, this, this also applies to everything that's non-medical, right? So if you have a friend that snaps at you or your brother, or your sister, and that's something that's off or there's usually something wrong. So usually what you'll end up doing is instead of just hanging on to what they did, okay, what's going on, right? So it's a sim- similar reaction with uh, patients as well. If a lot of patients will have resistance. Mm -hmm. But when you really dig into like, wait, where's this coming from? What's going on? You really find the solution. So that way you guys are working as a team, Mm -hmm. just like you do with friends with family in any situation.
1: Yeah. And I do want to mention if we had gone on and maybe one of the follow up questions was, okay, let's say that um, Mr. Rojas Uh, You try to get his perspective. Maybe he had a bad experience in the past. He just doesn't trust doctors. Whatever the reason is, you understand where he's coming from. And then he still refuses to take the medication, even though you try to explain that it's relatively safe and everything. So, what would you do if he still refuses? And a reasonable answer to that is to say that, well, every patient has the right to choose to accept or decline a treatment for themselves. That's the principle of patient autonomy. And I think it's our responsibility as physicians to respect patient autonomy. So maybe what I could do is, you know, agree to, to follow up with Mr. Rojas in about two months, encourage him to try the juniper berry like he wants to do for about those two months, and then follow up and recheck his blood sugar levels. And at that point, if his blood sugar levels were still really out of control, really high or even rising, Then I would be able to add a dimension to the conversation and show Mr. Rojas, look, you know, we gave this a try, but it really doesn't seem to be having the effect we hoped it would. Would you be willing to reconsider the medication? So that's a way of respecting patient autonomy, but still giving them an opportunity to circle back and consider again the option that you are offering. Yeah.
0: And that's very, very key. As a physician, you will encounter a lot of patients like this, but when you really work with what they want at times to try first, that's usually natural. We see this with a lot of patients that like the herbal supplements, the follow-up is key because at that point, you that patient has built trust with you that you're willing to hear
1: them out. Mm-hmm. And you're willing to respect their decision without like ridicule or too harsh of judgment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. That's all we have for you today. Uh, We hope that you found it helpful, especially if you are getting ready to prepare for interviews or interviews are right around the corner for you. If you want more episodes like this, especially these MMI demos, please let us know on social media or through our website at futureminoritydoctor.com. Take care, everyone. Peace and love.